This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to the Inspirational, Informational, and Transparent Aviation Careers Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, and inspirational stories or announcements, please contact us at feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. Well, today I'm on the road. I'm actually in uh, Newark, New Jersey, in the hotel room and uh, recording this podcast remotely. Of course, no guest today. Uh, we uh, will be uh, doing that when we have are back in our normal studio. I've been flying so much, I decided to bring the recorder on the road and uh, have some fun out there. Maybe get some interviews while I'm out. Uh, but uh, anyway, a bunch of announcements today. First of all, at aviationcareerspodcast.com, you can find scholarships guide, career coaching, and various technical courses online. Don't forget to sign up for our email newsletter and visit the website for special listener coupons. Uh, the new scholarships guide has been updated for March 20th, 2019, is now live. For those who have already purchased the guide, visit aviationcareerspodcast.com slash courses, and then you can go on and download the newest version. Also, don't forget, we're going to be at Sun and Fun 2019 uh, from April 2nd through 7th. You can listen to us live at liveatc.net slash SNF or at stuckmikeadvocast.com for daily interviews. You know, we do this every year, and it's so much fun. Uh, it's such a blast, and uh, we kind of don't do as much on the Aviation Careers podcast side because of the fact that there's so many inspirational stories uh, about careers and about everything in aviation. So kind of meld the two into Stuck Mike Avcast, which is our general aviation podcast. So go check that out, stuckmikeavcast.com. Also, another uh, announcement. Congratulations to Mikhail Anderson. Uh, he attends Central Florida Aerospace Academy and his acceptance to the EAA Advanced Air Academy for 2019 in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. You know, the EAA Air Academy offers young people the opportunity to meet and work with aviation professionals while living and learning the arts, sciences, and lore of aviation in both classroom and workshop settings. They join many other young people ages 16 through 18 in this aviation program. Several days of the academy take place during the world's largest and most exciting aviation event, EAA Air Venture 2019. Participants in the EAA Air Academy come from around the United States and several foreign countries. You know, the Academy has activities which include flight experience, workshops, and classroom study. EAA's Director of Museum and Museum Education, Bob Campbell, says, quote, The EAA Air Academy teaches young people new skills and instills a pride of craftsmanship. More importantly, it develops their leadership potential and broadens their understanding of both aviation and themselves. The EAA Air Academy is a benchmark of personal experience and an aviation experience that will last a lifetime. Campbell added that those people who are interested in attending any of the EAA's Air Academy programs should write to the Experimental Aircraft Association. We'll have the actual address in the show notes. But the prime consideration for those interested is, of course, in enthusiasm for aviation. We'll give it, there's a link to all the different camps they have at EAA or Venture. It's awesome. And I uh, really highly recommend you taking a look at that. Let's go on to the show. I have a, a couple questions. This is going to be a short show because I'm on the road. I need to get asleep, some sleep. been doing a bunch of red eyes uh, uh, down in the uh, Caribbean and uh, right now in uh, Newark, New Jersey, like I said. So let me get to some of those questions. First question comes in. says, hello, Carl. Long-time listener and big fan 
and first time contacting. Thanks for the advice, effort, and information that you put into your podcast. It's been a huge source of encouragement and motivation. Well, thanks so much. Just one question. I'd love to one day make a career jump into being a full-time commercial pilot. I'm currently an engineer with a bachelor's degree in civil engineering and slowly pursuing my private pilot's license. For a long time now, I have considered pursuing a graduate education, which would definitely now be something aviation aeronautics related, but do not know if it's worth the forty to 70000 that it'll take to complete it. Can you provide any advice as to the pros and cons relating to having a master's degree for someone potentially seeking to follow in your footsteps? To give you some background, I'm 35 years old, married, and have three young children, so I'm trying to make the most efficient use of my time this stage in life. Thanks again for all you do. Well, I appreciate the email, and we just love bringing this to you. First of all, uh, I would make sure you build your flight time. If you're going to put any money towards anything, make sure first it's getting the rating. Uh, the degree, you already have a degree, obviously, if you're uh, looking towards getting your master's, uh, but that money can be spent on getting the ratings. Uh, remember, uh, if you want to have a license, you have to get that license, and to get that license, you have to spend money on whatever the license you're getting. For instance, if you want to be a mechanic, uh, you need to get a license as a mechanic. It doesn't matter if you want to work as a mechanic. You have five different degrees. You can't be a mechanic unless... You have a mechanics license. Just like a pilot, you have to get the pilot certificates first. So concentrate on certificates first. Yes, master's helps, but not as much as flight time and experience. Well, thanks for that question. I appreciate it. On to the next one. Hey, Carl, thanks for your work. My question is related to international flying, but not in the immediately lucrative sense. I see a couple episodes that tackled over flying overseas. My question is more about beginning an aviation career internationally. Um, my wife is from Canada and is very supportive of my desired career change. And uh, she'd love to live in her home country or even Australia uh, near family while I'm beginning this career. It seems that this would be a lot to chew for a U.S. citizen moving ratings to a new country system, although I could get a work permit rather easily through her Canadian citizenship. I assume other markets aren't as short as ours in terms of pilots. Do you know anyone who has done this? If you had 300 hours total time, would you go now or after you achieve the 1,500 or what the country requires? It's a long shot, but I can't find much information on the forums or blogs to satisfy this question. You know, that's actually a really good question, and I'm going to have some advice coming from another person who uh, is actually uh, on the podcast a few times, and that's Chris Pazala. And... uh, he actually uh, wrote back and uh, gave it a really good answer to that question. Uh, so, uh, so let me let me just uh, give you the, his answer and uh, um, read it now. Uh, he's actually, uh, if you remember, he's with Three Point Aviation. We'll get a link at the bottom, Three Point Aviation. Uh, but uh, of course, if anybody wants to talk to one of our other coaches and experts, we can pass that along. Um, anyway, there's three parts to the question. So first, uh, he answers uh, getting a certificate in another country. Second, getting a work permit for that country. Third, getting hired in that country. For certification, both Australia and Canada have a process for transferring, referred to as converting, an FA certificate to the system. I'm in the process myself of converting to an Australian ATP. The easiest way to transfer to most countries is by obtaining a U.S. FAA ATP first. This would require 1,500 hours. ATP standards are similar across the globe and make conversions easier. It is possible to convert from a U.S. commercial pilot certificate to a Canadian, Australian, or Eastern European. However, these countries disagree greatly with the U.S. about the amount of written testing required. They see the U.S. as too lax and require multiple exams for commercial conversion. For instance, 
Australia requires eight written exams for the commercial, each about two to three hours. However, as the ATP level, only three exams are required. I recommend, and again, this is uh, Chris Bozzala talking, I recommend getting a U.S. ATP first. That being said, you may not need a multi-engine ATP. A single-engine ATP might be enough to get you in the door in Canada or Australia. Then have a potential employer get you the rest of the way. The FA requires a special, about $5,000 ATP course for the multi-engine ATP. However, a single ATP is just a written test and a check ride, like most FA certifications. And that uh, ATP is called the Certified Training Program that he's talking about. As for work permits, it sounds like you have an opportunity to get a work permit in Canada. The fact that you have flying experience will also help. Recently, Australia announced that it is lowering its standards to work permits for overseas pilots. Australia is having a pilot shortage because many of its pilots are taking jobs in Asia and Middle East, which pay better. There is a process for about $75 where the Australian Aviation Authority, CASA, will evaluate your flying experience and provide a report to the Immigration Department to assign, excuse me, assist in your application for a work permit. As for getting hired, I believe Canada is not hurting for pilots, however, Australia is also. In some other parts of the world, it helps to have an Australian or Canadian pilot's license. Many of the planes flying in the Caribbean are operated under a Canadian certificate. It's parts of Asia and the Pacific, except Australian pilot licenses. Hope that helps, and uh, free field, uh, feel free to email anytime. That's from Chris Bazal, Three Point Aviation. Uh, you can send me an email at feedback at aviationcruisepodcast.com if you have any further questions or anybody else who's interested in uh, specifically what he was talking about, even flying in Australia. Chris is going through that process and uh, really in, uh, enjoyed that, uh, that dissertation. So thanks again, Chris, uh, for that, and thank you again for that question. Hope that helped. Well, on to the next question. It says, Hi, Carl. I started listening to your podcast recently. I've been very blessed by it. It has been timely information inspirational that I need to hear at different points. I'm making an attempt to come back to professional flying after 28 years. I used to fly and instruct and fly some corporate in Part 135 in the late 80s and early 90s. It was really rough trying to pay the bills and gain the flight time needed to get to the regionals, and so I had to leave. About two years ago, I ran into a gentleman in my age group, mid to late 50s, who was making the transition to regional flying as a second career. I had been feeling burnt out and unfulfilled at my current job and was looking for a change. Flying has always been my first love. This man led me to a senior captain at a legacy carrier whose passion is getting pilots who have not flown in years back up to par. He's got a simulator in his basement and has over 20 years of airline training experience. One thing led to another, and I've recently completed my biennial flight review and instrument proficiency check. Lost about 50 pounds overcoming some health issues and obtained my first-class medical. By the way, congratulations on all that. I have over 25 hours in this sim and have shot dozens of approaches and completed other IFR work in preparation for interview and past airline training. I'm scheduled for my first regional airline interview next month. Hey, congratulations on that also. I've been going through my logbook over the entries I had over 35 years ago, and I'd worked for a Part 91 operator in a single-pilot multi-engine land, and their insurance required two pilots. They let me fly most of the legs as co-pilot, and they made me a captain early on. I was unsure what I could legitimately log when I was not actually flying the aircraft. I was under the impression that any time I was not sole manipulator of the controls, I could log it as second-in-command. 
I was also flying second-in-command in single-pilot twins uh, under Part 135, requiring two pilots, and therefore I was able to log the second-in-command time. The Part 91 question was reinforced mistakenly when I called the FAA to verify that I was doing was correct. I know other pilots I flew with had no issue with logging the whole trip. It seemed if you asked four different people, you got four different answers. I read recently that this time could not be logged in those instances as I was going over my hours. In the interest of making sure everything is done legal and proper, I slashed those entries and deducted the times even if they were slightly in question. I still have my ATB minimums without that. My question is, how may this be viewed by pilot interviewer or interview board as they plan to look over my logbooks? I've always strived to operate by the rules. In your opinion, will my intention to be conservative be viewed favorably or will it hurt my chances of being hired? Your thoughts and feedback would greatly be appreciated. Um, first of all, yeah, uh, anytime you're a qu- required crew member uh, by the operation, you can uh, log it as SIC. Um, there's, uh, if it's required by that, by the insurance, et cetera, yeah. That, and that's that's something I'm glad you went to the FA and asked the questions. I'm, I'm glad that if there was some mistakes in there that you fixed them. Um, and that shows you that you're up front and forward. As long as it's done neatly, uh, my advice is don't use whiteout. Try to cross it out. Enter it in there, EIE. Uh, you put a date on there and your your uh, initials. Uh, but make sure you do uh, tell them exactly what you told me, that you do comply with the minimums for the ATP. I think that that's really, really important. Um, but it's it's kind of interesting. Uh, a lot of people get mixed up with these things. So one of the things I think that's important is to not go online and look at the forms because they all tell you two, ten or 5,000 different things, I should say. And like you said, four different ways they describe it. But uh, yeah, if you're, if you're acquired uh, by that operation uh, and the laws that it operates under, then you can file as uh, log it as SIC. Uh, maybe some of the other stuff you were doing may not have been proper, um, but, uh, but I'm glad you fixed it. And uh, no, uh, as long as, like I said, you show that you actually had the minimums and you state that in there and put that in the column. Just do it in a neat manner. Happens. Happens a lot. Uh, people make mistakes and they go in there fix them. Uh, I actually had the same problem. A uh, long time ago, uh, I, let's see, I logged some simulator time that wasn't simulator time, and I had to pull some of that out. I put entered in error, I fixed it, changed the totals, and went on from there. Uh, really, you're just you know logging this time so you can show that you uh, actually have the minimums uh, and also that you're current, that type of thing. I do that now. I mean, I have hundreds of hours that haven't even logged uh, just because you know I really don't need to log those, but uh, I just make sure I log the ones I need for currency, that type of thing. Anyway, let's uh, hope that helped. Uh, let's move on to the uh, next question here. Uh, pretty interesting um, It says, uh, hello, I love listening to your podcast, and you have taught me so much. My first question is, why are regional airlines and majors not able to sponsor work visas for pilots? Australian pilots are the exception. In my last year at a Part 141 Flight University, I will graduate with an optional practical training, or F-1 visa, that will grant me one year of work before I will be forced to leave the U.S. Returning to my passport country is not an option. I'm looking everywhere in the world for a job that will grant me a work visa. I will probably reach my required 1,000 hours six months into my one-year visa, which would not allow me enough time to make it to the regionals before I must leave. 
Is there any way that you know if that I could either extend my visa or do you know of international airlines that will give me a work visa without a type rating? Thank you so much. I really appreciate what you're doing. As far as the work visa, there's lots of different organizations that will, uh, if you can convince, and, and I've heard this, um, people actually sponsoring people to work uh, with a visa or an extension or an F1 uh, or on a work visa, excuse me. And one of the things that I think is really important is you network now and start talking to people about your situation because there's lots of people that can help you out there. Um, but uh, you remember that's actually for the F1 visa. You know, it's for op, you know optional practical training, OPT they call it, and uh, it's really important to to work within those bounds. There's lots of things involved with immigration. There's a lot of really cool information on the websites about uh, visas, etc. But uh, currently, no, uh, they haven't felt the uh, the airlines that is haven't felt uh, that it's important for them to actually start sponsoring. Um, other than obviously with Australian visas, um, other visas will that change possibly? Possibly it will, uh, but not at this time. You're going to probably have to go more towards uh, an individual employer who likes you and and, uh, and wants to sponsor you. I guess, you know, I, gosh, I can't tell you how many times I've, I've heard stories of people being sponsored by people and, and uh, getting the hours they need and, and moving forward. So I think that's uh, that's really, really important to do that. I hope that's helped. Uh, it's uh, it, just get out there, network, and, uh, and uh, there's many different people you can talk to, even at your school about uh, what you can do to get uh, get those hours. But currently, no, they don't really, especially the majors, obviously, they don't need, they have tons of applicants. Uh, I know we have a, uh, a lack of uh, pilots that are qualified, but there are so many applicants out there. Uh, it's the regionals that are really hurting. So, yeah, maybe we'll see a change in that. I hope so. I really do. I hope, hope that'll uh, change. Anyway, one more question, then we'll uh, end up here because uh, I'm going to go out into the chilly weather here. Uh, as you know, I'm actually from New Jersey, so I do these these overnights here uh, in Newark just so that I can uh, visit family and uh, friends, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Can't wait. Uh, one of the big bonuses to be being in this job, I mean, yesterday I was out. Oh, I, oh gosh, this is really cool. I just had to have to tell you a story. I was in, um, in Puerto Rico, and one of the uh, flight attendants had uh, just obtained their private pilot certificate. Uh, so big shout out to Sasha uh, about getting her private pilot certificate. We went out and had a blast, got some some really good Puerto Rican food, and had a really good time. Uh, so uh, so that was one of the neat things. A little, little highlight of my trip was actually to to help celebrate with her. So really, uh, hats off to her uh, for getting her private. Uh, hopefully, and she continues on uh, to her additional ratings. Uh, but uh, anyway, with that said, I've got one more question I'm going to answer, and then we'll move on. Uh, it says, love the podcast. I've flown many of hours listening to guys talk. If you ever, to you guys talk, excuse me, if you ever do a podcast on getting into the industry with a past criminal record, I'd love to add my two cents. I was a cop for 15 years um, and would and made bad decisions and became a felon because of it. Since then, I've got my private commercial and worked in a 91 gig and now a private jet 135 operation with an offer for an interview at a 121. I've used my past experiences to help motivate other pilots who are told they would never get a job with a felony. Keep up the great work. Well, I, you know, it's interesting because through our coaching uh, process, we work with a lot of folks with, uh, that uh, have records, uh, have something on their record, whatever that may be, a criminal record, et cetera, uh, and helping them move forward. And I would love to hear your story. And 
And if you, we have, I just have a new course, by the way, aviationcareerspodcast.com slash courses, and it'll teach you how to be a guest on Aviation Careers Podcast, how to go through all the steps, schedule a time so we can do an interview. Usually we use Skype. If you or someone you know is is interested in coming on the podcast or you think they'd be inspirational or they might be able to help, go ahead, do that little course, a short video, um, and sign up for a time, and we'll do an interview. I'd love to hear from you and also others out there. So check that out, uh, aviationcareerspodcast.com slash courses. As a matter of fact, um, I just put a little uh, link in the sidebar on our website. It says how to be a guest on Aviation Careers Podcast. You go in, you sign up. It's through our whole learning uh, management system out there where all of our other courses are, the career coaching, et cetera. Uh, so we just did that. We just moved over to that. Uh, it makes it so much easier for me so you can kind of go through that process, et cetera. So, uh, so I think I would love to have you on the show. I'd love to have anybody on the show. But one of the more important things that I think people need to realize is no matter what in your background, you can actually become usually become a pilot. There are certain things, no, um, or they may be hard to get over, but uh, 99% of the time, people that look at their background uh, think they have an issue. They really don't. Uh, it's nothing we normally can't uh, work around in an interview and move forward in your career. It might take a little bit of a change in, in direction with your career, but for the most part, uh, you can move forward. There's Lots and lots of folks out there that have many different challenges, either physically, medically, or through that. And then we talk about that in the coaching, but uh, but in general, I would love to hear different stories out there. So no matter what it is, um, you know, as I say every episode, I want you to do something today to move forward in your career. No matter what, if it's if it's moving forward with trying to find out new directions, new licenses in other countries, pursuing new visas, going out there networking, I want you to do that today. I want you to do something today to move forward forward in your career. Well, we'll talk to you next episode and stay flying. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although host or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.